Welcome to the Marshall Street Podcast. Pay attention to the clock. Gillen. Got it! Derek is winning! Are you serious? Where two washed up SU alumni cut into all things Syracuse sports. And for Syracuse, party time. The upset, home by the Orange. They defeat Clemson 27 to 24. Now here are your hosts, Jake and Keith. Christian Brock, he's gone! Cody Jamison has won it! Cody Jamison wins it for Syracuse! It's over! The Orange wins the national championship! Welcome to episode 19 of the Marshall Street Podcast, where two washed-up SEO alumni cut into all things Syracuse sports. Before we get started, don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or read your podcast. Leave us a five-star question on Apple. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at MarshallSCPod44. And like, share, retweet, and tell your friends about us to help the podcast grow. I'm Jake. That's Keith. Keith, how you doing? How'd you like the new intro? What'd you think? Yeah, good work, Jake. Nice, nice work on your end. Um, about as nice work as... Syracuse in the first two games of the tourney. How about that? Just like we drew it up, huh? Yeah, just like we drew it up. If you if you go back and listen to a couple podcasts from like a month ago where we weren't Yeah, you might want to scrub the episode after the pit game. <laughs> yeah, that was a bad one. Emotions were, were high during that one. We were both pretty pissed. Um, but Syracuse, after getting into the NCAA tournament, not having to go to the first four, is on their way to the Sweet 16. This is the third time SU's entered the NCAA tournament as a double-digit seed, and all three times they've reached at least the Sweet 16. 2016, they went all the way to the Final Four, as you guys well know. I will take you through the first two games. First round, dominant 78-62 win over San Diego State, the sixth seed in the Midwest region. 30 points for Buddy Beheim. He was 7-10 for three, which is the most threes ever by an SU player in the NCAA tournament. Joe Girard chipped in 12 points, 7 assists, and 6 boards. Rick had 11 points and 5 assists as well. Bobby Braz, 9 points, 2 boards. Jesse Edwards had 5 rebounds. Quincy and Alan Griffin were quiet. And then today, in... Well, it ended up being kind of a tight one and stressful at the end. 75-72, Syracuse holds on to reach the Sweet 16. Uh, Buddy Beheim, 25 points, 22 of which in the second half after only hitting one shot in the first. One assist, three boards. Joe Girard again, 12, six boards, seven assists. Quincy with 12, Marek with 12. Kadari, 14 minutes, four points, two assists. He was really good defensively as well. Braswell again got 29 minutes, seven points, three boards, and not much from Alan Griffin. So, Keith, first two games of the tournament – First of all, if I had told you after, like you mentioned that pick game, after that pick game, or after the Duke game, let's say, because that was kind of when stuff started to turn around a little bit, that we would be going to the Sweet 16 again, what, what would you have said to that? Oof, man. I don't know. I know a lot of the focus right then was talking about a Duke player who had opted out of the season. And so it, yeah. <laughs> it lost a lot of the headlines. But, Wow. Yeah, I would not have believed you. I guess we'll start with the San Diego State game. I think we both thought it was a favorable favorable matchup, but we did not predict the floodgates opening like they did. Just a barrage. No, and I thought that I thought that game was very winnable. I thought I thought we would we would win that game, but I thought it was going to be probably like tight. I thought it was going to be like the West Virginia game. Um, but Syracuse, the first ten minutes were kind of a mess. Neither team could really hit anything. Ball's getting thrown all over the place. And then, like, the last 10 minutes, Syracuse turned it on. San Diego State couldn't hit anything. 
And they were just four, 11 of 40 from three during the game. They didn't score the last 10 minutes. They only had 18 points into the first half. And then Syracuse just put them away in the second half. It was um, wire to wire, a pretty good performance. Um, I did think a lot of the offense for San Diego State was kind of questionable. They were just content with just letting threes fly. And when just it wasn't. I know it's cliche, but they just were deer in the headlights with the zone. Because certain guys would get it on the wing and were unguarded, and you're like, shoot, I got five guys just playing off me. What do I do? And ended up settling. And then some other guys just were hesitant because they're like, is this a good shot or is this what they're trying to get me to shoot? It just looked like they just – not that they were necessarily bad shots all the time, but they were just hesitant with everything. Yeah, for sure. And I also, there, were, there weren't really many adjustments for San Diego State coming into the second half. Like, I think to start, they started to work the ball a little more inside. And it worked for a couple possessions. They had a couple in baskets in the paint. But then again, they went right back to shooting just bombs away from deep. And just it, they, they never, they started to hit a little bit late when Syracuse kind of pulled back and kind of called off the dogs. But yeah, it, it, it was not a good performance from San Diego State. Syracuse, got to give them credit. I still don't think, the de- I don't think the defense was like off the world, otherworldly. In this game, but they did very, very well, clearly. No doubt. And I shared this with you. There were some San Diego State fans on the message boards who were not too happy with Brian Dutcher no, after the game. They were not happy. <laughs> He's been getting some buzz for the Minnesota opening since Patino left. Uh, Rick Richard Patino, that is, the son. And they were saying how, well, maybe Jim Beheim is the one who should be getting the calls from, from Minnesota and um, even today, with we'll get to it in our message board calendar of the week from the WVU faithful, but some people not too happy with Huggins either. It's crazy <laughs> how that goes, isn't it? That everyone who's objective from across the country says Brian Dutcher's a really good coach, or Bob Huggins is a really good coach, or Jim Beheim's a really good coach, and then as soon as the tides turn, it's like I know all hell breaking loose from the fan base. It's absurd. Um, same way with our fan base, too, to be fair, when we lose. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Does this, does this officially shut down any notion that the game has passed Jim Beheim by and we need a new coach? I, I'm sure the claims will pop up again if we have a similar record in the regular season next year. But, come on. I mean, this is, this is three Sweet 16s in five years, right? I think there are still some things you can, like, complain about or say like maybe they should do differently but yeah no i i think axis and o's wise he's still clearly very very smart <laughs> no doubt about it and you could see it especially in the the west virginia game because that was not an offensive offensively challenged team they just had a really good game plan and it sounds like they were trying to draw charges from the big man and that's exactly what Marek did twice <laughs> ended up costing one of his four fouls but it's like, man, you can see it from the ACC tournament on that Bam still has it. He still knows what he's doing. And also, I think it's showing that this year's ups and downs have been a product of just being that young team. He mentioned in his presser against West Virginia in the postgame about kind of going after the recruiting system and the rankings and how Buddy was in the 300s. Marek didn't have anywhere to play, and they've blossomed into good players. We've said this team doesn't necessarily have the the isolation star that it did in Elijah Hughes or Tyus Battle. Buddy has become that guy, no doubt about it. 
but also it's just a matter of these different pieces to the puzzle finally putting it together and combining that with Hall of Fame coach and teams who haven't seen the zone all season and aren't used to the zone. Tough to beat in March. It really is. I know it's said a lot, but it's a tough, tough style to beat. I think coach is also working in um, guys like Braswell and Jesse and Kadari Moore, and it's affecting the defense. Like, you even look, that turnaround in the San Diego State game was when the three of them were on the floor, and that's when the defense started performing. And even today, like, Braswell played a lot of minutes. He didn't put up a ton of points, but defensively, How about that felt three at the, the end? Yeah. That wasn't, that wasn't Braswell's doing. He, he was in the right spot. But that ball movement was the prettiest I've seen. I feel like that really took control of the game. That was – I've seldom been more excited for a bucket in Buddy a series game able, this season. Buddy being able to penetrate, too, and be able to dish it to either um, Joe or Braz is, makes the offense just so much because you're getting better looks from three. You're not forcing it from – the logo, even though Buddy did that like three times in the first two games and he hit it. Um, We've been no, getting it, some Glens Falls, Joe, the last I know. couple games. He, he, we, haven't, we haven't gotten the 2020-21, the Joe. We've been getting the Glens Falls, Joe, which you'd love to see. He's been getting a lot of – he's been very, very solid. I think he's still a little too careless with the ball sometimes. He's, he's, he's had a few turnovers just from dribbling way, way too much. Um, granted, though, not to cut you off, but granted, uh, Kadari had a couple bad ones today. And Marek also did that one on the press where he threw it back. It's mm-hmm. like, man, the guy, that's what worried me today, especially is at the end, you saw guys that you wanted to be in this, those situations, make those mistakes. Like you saw Marek throw a careless pass to turn it over right, right down the wire. Then you saw Gerard miss the front end of one one Then Buddy hit one out of two on a one one So I was like, that's who you want at the line. Marek's who you want handling the ball. It didn't end up costing us because we, we hung tough at the end. But what a whirlwind. Yeah, I know, man. Um, but back to Joe. I think he's starting to find a little more success because I think it's you're, they're taking the ball out of his hands. With Buddy emerging being the guy he's been for the last few weeks, he takes the ball out of his hands. He can be more of a, just like a catch-and-shoot kind of guy, which I think is what he's better at. And he's also had a – like six or seven assists in the last few games, like each game. He, he's been a lot better, like, pass first, I would say. And I think him looking to create with passing is better than him looking to create just pulling up from NBA range in transition, like, for a bad shot. And I think that's that's a role that fits him better. And I think that's a role he can thrive in. He's clearly still got the green light. I think with him, it's almost a rhythm thing. If he is – Better with his shot selection early on and gets a he's, few to go. He doesn't feel the need sh- to press. He's yep. been a lot better with his shot selection. I'll give him that, too. He's, he's taking a lot more smarter shots and not just chucking. It seems to be an early thing, though. If, he, if he's on his game early, he doesn't feel the pressure to get going and fill up the stat sheet in the same way. Whereas if he misses a few tough shots to begin the game, it's almost like he feels his need to shoot, the, shoot often bad shots to – to shoot out of it and he hasn't done that at all he's he's had some really good shot selection and how about that one from the logo today i know Dude, yeah, we've, he, a few, he, we've had a few logo shots the last couple of days even uh west virginia had a couple of themselves but man if if buddy and joe are on like that it is tough tough to beat i know buddy's getting all the headlines but joe deserves his credit as well yeah for sure 
Uh, Oregon State's up by 11, eight minutes to go in the first half. Our region is just mayhem. It's it's nuts. Every <laughs> like Loyola beating Illinois, this game is gonna looks like it's gonna go pretty down to the wire. I mean, it's still in the middle of the first half, but still, Houston. I know the, it out the whole thing Rutgers is like, yeah, exactly. I know the whole thing is that no perfect brackets left out of fourteen million, right? Right. Does anyone have? You take our region. Does anyone have that region correct? I bet you it's less than 100. I bet you some people do, but I bet you it's not a ton. I, yeah. I would be <laughs> – yeah, there'd be – When it's all said and done, I don't know. No, I, I know. It, Loyola really realistically could be the most dangerous team left in that region if, or, if Oklahoma uh, State loses. If Oklahoma State's out, yeah, it's – so it'd be, or yeah, it'd be Oregon State versus Loyola, and then us versus Houston. Man, I am already glad that whoever wins our region will not face Gonzaga in the Final Four because <laughs> if Gonzaga wins it, it would just be the narrative of like, oh, they didn't play anybody, they had a cakewalk, which is still probably what people are going to say. You're still going to get that. You're still going to get the people who say they don't trust Gonzaga because they play in the WCC, even though they boat race like. 10 top 10 teams already this season, or top 25 teams this season. It is, yeah. you're not gonna, it's like you're the gonna, same people who are like, is it time to talk about Tony Bennett being overrated? It's like, you mean the guy who literally won the last national championship? Yeah. Like, like, what, do you, people, yeah. what do you want from Gonzaga? Well, do you think, not to get off the rails, do you think they'll make a switch to the Pac-12 in the next no. couple of years? You no. don't? Well, they don't football. So Yeah, I, I think they would still be allowed without football if I don't they think wanted so. to. I don't think so. I think football is the, money, the big one uh, more so than basketball. It's what they care about. So I, I would honestly doubt it. Yeah, but it. If, if there's anything the Pac-12 is good at, it is winning national championships in every other sport besides football. <laughs> the Olympic sports that nobody cares about. <laughs> <laughs> I think it makes logical sense. I don't follow Gonzaga Olympic sports enough to know that whether they'd be able to compete because that's the thing. I could see them realistically joining with everything other than football. I can't see them joining basketball only. Like that seems far-fetched. So it also would be, an, it'd be an, I don't know if they really care, but like an odd number of teams. I don't even know if that would be a really a big deal, but, um, but also, I per- I just, um, go ahead. I just, per- I just personally don't see it. Just not with with the football thing being as big as it is. I just don't. I just don't see it. I see it if and only if Gonzaga is a powerhouse for the next three to four years continuously. Like if they get a one seed, like three out of four years, or or they stay in the top three to four seed. They have Chet Holmgren, who is the front run. They're the front runner to get him, and he's the t- top prospect in the country. I don't see Gonzaga going anywhere, and it's just. Either one of two things is going to happen. Either they're going to go to the Pac-12, or they're just going to continue to make a mockery of all the other teams in the WCC. <laughs> I think it's going to—they're going to end up just making a mockery <laughs> in the WCC. Yeah. Honestly, but like, I, Mark was like, "We'll be—we've been doing it long enough." So. <laughs> um, there was an interesting tweet I saw. Excuse me, after the San Diego State game, where it showed a side by side of Buddy and Coach Beheim in their NCAA tournament appearances, like their um, statistics-wise. And I'm trying to find it. Hang on a sec. 
I can't find who Syracuse played, but they show Beheim in the 66 tournament. He had 29 points in our game, and Buddy in this one with 30. He just he broke his re- his scoring record, and it was it was. I think it was across multiple games, right? Because it says tournament careers. I think so. When I'm looking at the 1966 bracket, and I don't see us. I'm trying to figure out. I would hope because it says Beheim, oh, wait, Jim Beheim shot 13 of 39. So I would hope yeah. he didn't fire up 40 shots. <laughs> it was over two games. We beat Davidson by 20 and then lost to Duke by 10. It was the year, te- it was actually the year Texas Western won the national championship. But yeah, he had those over the two games. And then Buddy over two games has 55 <laughs> in the NCAA tournament. Speaking of good tweets, can we can we talk about how much the San Diego State student section just got completely oh dumped on? So we gotta yeah, we, we gotta talk about this. So I didn't see any of these tweets till after the game. But they were coming in hot. Yeah, this they, is um, they asked for this. This it wasn't it wasn't your normal like game day. Can't wait to wake up and get get to the round of thirty two. Like this was aggressive. Yeah, so first one, saw Syracuse pass a pass a graveyard on our way over here, they're dead. Text by so many goddamn points. Syracuse should just be sponsored by Orange Julius because we're going to poke so many holes in their defense. We stand by that joke. We stand by it. Uh, somebody said there's a 0% chance we lose tonight. And then the student section said we're absolutely not losing. We're about to destroy Syracuse. Text by 200,000. Uh, timeline sleep. We've faced a lot of coaches in our time. Jim Beheim is up there with some of the biggest fakest shitheads in college basketball. Just watching pressers and hearing the things, hearing the things he says, this dude's a phony. And then they said something about Buddy Beheim. I gotta, I gotta scroll back and try and find the tweet. Um, it was, it was around the. It was something to do with uh, Daddy's boy, and I was very not pleased with that. I got mad <laughs> when I saw that. Um, I cc'd old takes exposed, but they did not answer me, and I was sad because I kind of <laughs> like retweet that. Um, Here's the thing, though: if they followed college basketball at all, they would know that Syracuse is always dangerous. And especially if we're uh, an underseeded team, not underseeded, but uh, a higher seed, right? And they they clearly didn't. But man, just you talk about just stepping in it. I mean, come on, what do you expect, San Diego State? Oh, here it is. I found it. Um, they tagged Buddy at Buddy Beheim thirty five. We're about to whoop you so hard, you're gonna wish your pops never got you onto that team, Daddy's boy. And then Buddy proceeded to drop thirty on their ass. <laughs> <laughs> So, if, if, yeah. I ever hear, if I hear anybody ever say Buddy Beheim is only on the team because his dad is the head coach, I'm going to freaking punch him in the face. Like, they're straight up stupid. The dude's six, I don't think you'll ever six, hear that again. Yeah, he's sixth in scoring in the ACC. He's doing what he's done during the ACC tournament, this tournament, and we did the last, like, four regular season games. That that argument is dead, buried. He's a, he's a legit ACC player. Just regardless and of we, last time. we talk about how Gonzaga is so dominant this year. I'll remind everybody that Gonzaga was really recruiting Buddy Behan, gave him a scholarship offer and all the rest of it. So Mark Few thought he was good enough for the core players he has now. And so that was a dumb take when it first started. It's even a dumber take now. So I, I can't imagine anyone having that take anymore. I doubt it. Unless you're a San Diego State student section. <laughs> Oregon State up by 13, five-minute mark. Jake, in in honor of these hot takes by SDSU, <laughs> you you know I love good hot takes just to get the combo started. If you had a, a direct line to uh, on the block with Brent Axe, 
and they said, Jake from Syracuse, give me your hottest take after today's game. You're on the line. Free free airtime. What do you got for me? I w- <laughs> it's tough. I have one, but I don't want to. I have one, but I don't want to say it. You got Buddy Beheim is better than James Booknight. <laughs> oh, whoa, whoa, whoa! I don't even think that's much of a hot take. <laughs> I don't either. That's the crazy. I, thing. I thought you were going to say SU was the best team remaining in their region or something like that. <laughs> they're playing like it, honestly. But offensively, they're playing. I don't like think Buddy it. over Booknight is that is that crazy. I thought that last night, watching watching us play, and then like because I was at work and all, I work with a ton of UConn fans, and they were like they were excited as they should be, but they were talking about it. I'm like, okay, but I think UConn's good. Let's not be fair. Let's not be fair. I don't think they're like national championship. But I thought they could maybe give Alabama a run in the second. I didn't think they'd lose to Maryland after missing like 50 shots. Um, but I'm like, Book Knight's good, but is he that much better than Buddy? Like realistically. No, I. There are maybe five players in the country that you would even be in the conversation if you're talking the last three weeks or so. Yeah, this may be me, if, this may just be me overreacting to the last three weeks. Um, if Buddy plays played this whole season like he has the last three weeks, I think he might be a first team All American. That's my hot take. Like he's been playing the whole like season 25. like this. Absolutely would be. Yeah, he'd be up there. He's at been least. putting up twenty five a game. And it's all been and it's it's been wins except the UVA game at the buzzer. Yeah, so. dude, like like imagine how good he would would have been playing full preseason. No, and he didn't have COVID at one point. Like his yeah. stats would be off the charts. He might, be, he might like this is all again hypothetical, but I don't know. I just thought that last night when when I was at work and people were talking and like I, I ended up watching the UConn game and I'm like. I, and more, I don't think UConn is as bad as they looked yesterday. That was just atrocious shooting wise. They kind of got back into it late, but it was just it was just too little, too late. But can like, you I confirm don't... though with with Buddy? There's every basketball player gets a free year, right? Not just the seniors. Everybody. I, Everybody. That's what I thought exactly. So he's got two more years, and he's this. really recently should take it. Like he's probably not getting drafted, even though James. Bruce I don't is. know. And I that, don't know. There's a hot take for me, too. I'm seeing different um, – was it Kenny Smith who said he's a pro player? Uh, Dickie V has been routinely tweeting it out, although Dick Vitale and the average <laughs> NBA scout are, are not one and the same. That was and then also, on Twitter uh, yesterday, too. Buddy Beheim Vecini, Sam Vecini, uh tweeted that he could see Buddy as a legit pro prospect. He's 6'6 and all this. Maybe he will be. I don't know, man. I Especially – you know how – Certain guys will, like, people say so-and-so, he plays just like Steph, even though he's not Steph. Like, you see it with the, the NFL. I don't know enough about Zach Wilson to say, but they're like, Zach Wilson's got some Mahomes in him. He's, he's right behind Trevor Lawrence. I see Duncan Robinson being that guy for Buddy. Like, Duncan Robinson just bursting on the scene from uh, a contributor on that Michigan team to – probably one of the top three or four best shooters in basketball on the planet. I think a lot of people are going to look at that and say, buddy has that same formula. If you asked me a month ago, I would have been like, buddy's not a pro player, maybe overseas. You ask me now, I think buddy's got a good shot at being an NBA role player. Maybe he's got to keep this up for the rest of our run here. And then next year too, at minimum, um, 
But yeah, that's you want to just... get into uh, West Virginia, or you got anything else on uh, San Diego State? No, that was pretty much just my my overreaction hot take. <laughs> His buddy could take James Booknight um, after just the last three weeks. Uh, but yeah, no, we can get into West Virginia. Um, Let's do it. All right, so again, Syracuse started off hot. We built up like a fourteen point lead in the first half. Late run by West Virginia, cut it to six. Uh, and then Buddy went off in the second half. I think West Virginia ended up taking the lead, I think, twice by one. I don't think it got bigger than that. And then we went on a run. We went up by nine late. West Virginia cut into it. We had trouble getting the ball inbounds <laughs> toward the end of the half. Man, let's, the game. Let's, let's throw it into the corner to the double Every team about six single. times in a row. Did you see the stuff floating on Twitter about how the, the the dumb rule that every time if you get fouled or call a timeout in the backcourt, the the ten second timer resets um, instead of just like, it had to you, have because it was like it, it no, was I down know. like ten it was but down you, like ten seconds on the shot clock by the time we finally got it over <laughs> right but like you you see the takes where it's like that's the dumbest rule in basketball where you don't get like a you get a fresh ten seconds every time you call a timeout instead of just getting eight seconds to get over or six seconds to get over, whatever it ends up being to be. I don't think so. That like yeah. timeouts are valuable, especially at that point in the game. It's not like you're just, if you had eight timeouts to burn, it'd be one thing, but if you have a limited number of timeouts that you have to use, and this is the last minute of the game, I, I think that's fair for a, to reset a 10 second call. Yeah. To be fair, I get it. I kind of, I would kind of like to see that it's, it's different. And I think it, it adds a, diff, a new element to the game. Um, Makes it makes stuff a little more challenging, um, but I also don't think that's why West Virginia lost today. So, uh, I want to also Marek playing basically the entire second half with four fouls, or like this last 12, 13 minutes with four fouls and playing really well, and not picking up that fifth because that would have been huge. Um, Jesse, I think you had think, four. Yeah, Jesse, Jesse had four as well, and there was there was some questionable officiating going on. Not that. It, swung things we don't want to be those guys but man you look at the physical brand of basketball that west virginia plays versus syracuse and at one point it was 11 out of the last out of the out of 12 fouls were called on syracuse and then give me a break i don't know if you caught this give me a break with huggins complaining after they had a reach in call like you could have called that every single play and like i don't know I don't think the officiating was anything that really swung the game. I just think maybe we are, we're having a different conversation if SU ends up losing this one. Yeah, I, I think a little more in the first half, the officiating was kind of close. Like the the chart, the offensive foul early on Quincy was just a phantom call. That was horrendous. That and was I think awful. I think there were a couple times where guys drove the basket, got like mugged, and there was nothing called. Um, well, then and then they had Moret's second foul, which is he was trying to tip the ball back and they called him in over the back it's like come on yeah also it ended up not mattering but why is Marek in the game with two fouls at the end of that first half we just put jesse in it's better off if jesse gets that th- extra foul than Marek does it ended up it, again it ended up not mattering but still yeah i i saw that going around i wouldn't disagree with you the only thing i would say is based on the way the first half was ending it was kind of a landslide in favor of west virginia so i think behan probably wanted to put a stop to that as best he could and pair that with his comments after the game about just how important Marek is and continue his, his uh, statements about how Jesse just isn't ready and just not physical and 
kind of in a nice way went after him and said he thinks he'll be good, but not yet. The same stuff we've been hearing. I think his logic there was just like, we need Marek to stop this run. But in not that I think Dolzhai deserves any criticism for his efforts. He played 38 minutes, which is wild. Yeah. Um, but I will say that that third foul he got, he's got to know better at the end of the half. That's uh, it's one of those. He's so like on the 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 switch is always flipped on that he had kind of a a brain dead moment there. I think, but heck of an effort. Like he means so much to this team, and I kind of feel bad. I think I said this in an earlier pod. Has there ever been a Syracuse player you can think of that's been out of position for so long? Uh, not that I can think of, of. Not that I can think of off the top of my head. Yeah. No. He's he, already, maybe like Frank Howard ended up playing point and was more of a two in high school, and I guess same with Jalen Carey. But to this degree, the guy has clearly been more of a four from the time he stepped on SU's campus mm-hmm. and has not been able to play it sadly. So, man, I hopefully we got more more games to spare this year, but I really hope Marek comes back because he is so fun to watch. He is. We also got crushed on the boards. I'm looking at it now. Uh, West Virginia had 19 offensive rebounds. We only had four. Ended up being a 41-29 rebounding edge, and that's something, again, we can't do against Houston. We'll, we'll talk about them in a minute. But, hey, we survived. Uh, shot 51%. Shot selection is getting better, so like they're taking good shots for the most part, and that wasn't the, totally the case in the beginning of the season when we lost some games early. Yep, exactly. And I, I will add to I think we're officially at the point where Braswell has taken over Alan Griffin's spot. I still think Griffin will start, but the past two games are any indication. Beheim seems a lot more comfortable with Braswell out there, just especially on the defensive end. Yeah, what do you make of Alan Griffin? He's been very quiet, um, basically ACC tournament and the two games in the NCAA tournament. Even dating, like going back to the regular season, he's been quiet coming down the stretch. I think it's two major things with him is is defense and shot selection. Like defense being more right. important, yeah. I guess. More of a factor, I should say. Uh, Coach alluded to it after the game just about how he's been uh, unable to rebound and finish possessions on that end of the floor, which to his defense, I would say, who has <laughs> who has been good at that for some right. years, especially against West Virginia. Uh, but I think if you combine that with just kind of his streaky shooting and if he – similar to Gerard, like he'll pull up from deep and sometimes he's on, sometimes he's not. But if you combine a couple questionable shots that don't make it with a defense that's not as good as what Braswell's given you, I think that's the formula to not see much of him. So, yeah, who knows. But yeah, I would, I were you surprised at all we didn't see – John Bolzak or I guess just more little, of Jesse. Jesse, Jesse only played seven. Well, Jesse also had four fouls too. Yeah. But I think um, I, I put it this way. If Jesse had zero fouls, I don't think he's playing more than much more than seven minutes. I was a little surprised he didn't play at all when Marek and Jesse got into foul trouble. Um, but I'm not totally surprised. Like I, two, three minutes here just to kind of give him a break. Um, but mm-hmm. I'm not totally like surprised or have any issue with him not playing. Honestly, like I, I, I don't yeah. think it makes a difference. We won anyway, so who cares? <laughs> yep, same here. 
Man. So what's your – we'll talk about Houston in a minute. I don't know if this makes sense to do it now or, or later, but what's your outlook? Given given how we feel now, we're both on the high of the big, the big win. Do you think there's a chance to continue a run, or do you think Houston's just yeah. going to be too tough? No, absolutely. I think there's a chance to continue the run. I guess we can kind of – that's just a good transition into Houston. Um, so watch it. That game just ended. Rutgers kind of let one get away late. Houston held on, came back for a win. Uh, 26 and three this year to the number two seed in the Midwest region, the American Conference Tournament champions. Syracuse and Houston, believe it or not, have only played once in uh, in basketball, and it was in December 11th, 1982, a 92-87 Syracuse win over Phi Slamma Jamma. That was the Houston team with Clyde Drexler, Hakeem Olajuwon, that went on to lose the national championship game to NC State on the buzzer beater. I'm uh, glad t- we're not playing that team. Because Hakeem Olajuwon against Jesse Edwards is not something that would bode well for Syracuse. Jesse would have to try and like just he just had to bear hug him the entire game and just hope he doesn't get called for a foul. It would be like, hey, Marek, just try to draw a charge every possession to foul him out. And it's like, oh shoot, we got Clyde Drexler waiting in the wings for when Hakeem is gone. I but um, I want to take a look at the that Syracuse roster, by the way, eighty. Was it 82? 82, 82 so that'd 83. Pearl. That'd be Pearl's team. I'm, I'm curious. But, uh, yeah, go ahead. I Honestly, I didn't I didn't know. I I went to look it up on orangehoops.com. I forget which one it is. Just to see the series history, because I do that for most opponents. And I was, number one, surprised to see we'd only play Houston once, because Houston's got a pretty good history of being a decent basketball program. And I was even more surprised to see that it was that Houston team and that we beat that Houston team. Um, that Houston team, they lost to Syracuse and they lost their next game to Virginia with Ralph Sampson, who was number one in the country, and then didn't lose again until that national championship game uh, against NC State and Jim Galvano. Wow. And I'm looking here, so I thought it was 81-82. So 82-83. Yep. Houston didn't even have Pearl. So... Uh, some of their guys, they had uh, Sanifer was their leading scorer, Leo Routens, Tony Bruin, Gene Waldron, Raphael Addison. None of their, um, like, main contributors were over six foot nine. Mm-hmm. And they still beat Hakeem. That's crazy. 92 points against them, too. <laughs> yeah. Man, I bet you uh, Manly Fieldhouse was shaking that night. Was it at Manly? Was the dome not open? Game? I don't know. No, it was oh, at yeah, home. Yeah, the, was the yeah first, no, it was the yeah, dome. First year of the dome, because dome was 1980. Yep. Yeah, okay. So, I know, just picture, like, old school basketball to Manly Fieldhouse for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> so that's well, why. That's, that, that's fair. That's fair. Um, so back to this year's Houston team. They are not five slam pajama, but they are pretty good. Uh, Quentin Grimes, ACC Player of the Year, 18 points per, almost six rebounds per game. Marcus Sasser and De- Dejan Giroux are their two big scoring threats other than Grimes. Sasser, Giroux got he, banged up a little bit against yeah, Rutgers. He, he did. He, he got banged up a little bit. I think he came back in, but he did. That's something to keep an eye on. Sasser, 13.7 points per game. Giroux, 10.6 points per game. Uh, they're sixth in the country in offensive efficiency at 119.7 and 12th in defensive efficiency at 89.8. They're also the second best offensive rebounding team in the country with 287 Good for 14.3 offensive rebounds per game. Now, they have nobody taller than 6'8", and they play in the American Conference. So, are these stats a little skewed like San Diego State was? 
I'm not saying that Houston's not any good. I think Houston's a good team. I'm also I also have watched a lot of Houston basketball in the last two weeks, and they don't really terrify me a ton. I was more nervous going about West Virginia, if I'm being totally honest. Yeah, I picked West Virginia to beat Houston and beat Houston. So did uh, I. Yeah, I'm. I'm. Uh, actually, I picked. Andy I picked Cat. I'm in. I picked Rutgers to beat Houston. Oh yeah, yeah. Actually, I I did as well. I picked Rutgers over Houston and Almost then right. <laughs> West Virginia over them. Yeah, I'm. I know. I didn't pick Syracuse to make the Sweet Sixteen. <laughs> I'm. Uh, I'm full Andy Cats, disloyal idiot. But um, the six eight max for their their tallest players is very favorable. I think, especially have, when you look at today's game and just how hard we had to fight for defensive rebounds. I think that'll be huge. They have some bigger guys too, like built guys like West Virginia did too. Um, but the height thing, like I know they're a very good offensive rebounding team, but I think Syracuse should be able to hold their own against them. And again, if Syracuse's defense can play like they have, I don't know how well Houston's played zones or if they've even had to play a zone this year. Uh, Kelvin Sampson clearly didn't like it when he was the head coach of Oklahoma in 03 in the Elite Eight. So maybe he's got some inside insider info for him. But I just Houston to me, like they've had to pull so many games out of their behinds late, like two in the American tournament. They they were in a dogfight with Tulane up until the last like eight minutes and and pulled away. They had to go it was it wasn't decided until the last two minutes against Memphis. This game they had to pull they pulled they were down nine late and had to pull away. And arguably Syracuse is playing better than Rutgers is, even though they beat us this year. I just to I, I think again, this is going to be. I think it's going to be a close game, but I think this is a very winnable game for Syracuse. I think if Houston doesn't get an and one against Rutgers to swing things, and they lose that game, Rutgers fans or not Rutgers fans, Houston fans are going crazy and saying, "What is the state of this program? How come we can't ever do it in March?" Because they've had a few early exits, and Sweet Sixteen was something they were. We're like, okay, we got to at least win two, and they barely did. But I don't, I don't see Houston. If Houston makes the Elite Eight, I just, I don't know. I have a hard time seeing them in the Final Four. I just think either we knock them off or whoever they ended up playing. It's they just, would. They, had, I, they I just have, don't see them being a, a perennial contender this year. I don't either. I I would put. If I were a betting man, I'd put money on either Oklahoma State or Loyola to beat them, honestly. Like, I would honestly probably pick Loyola over them, if I'm being totally frank. Um, As you say that, Oklahoma State's down 16 to Oregon State. (laughs) Oh, they hit the free throw. They're down by 16. Um, If it was Oregon State, I would have to think it over. (laughs) Give me a a Syracuse-Oregon State matchup for a championship final four. That'd be unreal. People would be so pissed, and I would love it. (laughs) Oh man, because that that was the the region of all orange too. Villanova won too. Gotcha. And the uh, the other note with that, Oregon State will be if they ended up playing Syracuse in the early date. That's uh, former Orange legend Stevie Thompson is an assistant coach for Oregon State with some sons on the team. So. I'm just saying, basketball gods, speak it into existence. Give me an 11-12 to reach, uh, reach the Final Four. No Speaking that, we got to coordinate our uh, our flights off the pod to the Final Four. For <laughs> <laughs> Book it right Knock now. Syracuse is making it. 
Uh, I can't. I, I'd still have to quarantine if, when I came back. Um, Connecticut lifted right. that rule, but where I work, they I think they're still doing it. So, <laughs> mm. give them a good like that's that's got to be a good enough reason. <laughs> Just go to the final four. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we got let's not get ahead of ourselves. Got to beat Houston and then got to win one more game. Let's let's focus on Houston. One game, one game at a time. I know Loyola knocked off. Illinois today, convincingly. Now that Illinois is out, I looked at Illinois as a team that we had very little chance of beating because the Sumu is just such a dominant guard. Mm-hmm. And Kofi Coburn is exactly what we can't handle, which is an incredible big man who is tall and bulky and skilled. Now that they're out, Dare I say that there's no team that truly, truly scares me that's like, this, wow, we need a perfect game to beat them. This region is totally up for grabs. And if this Oregon State result were a hold, flip a coin, any of the four teams could get there. Like, I, if Oklahoma State comes back, I would still give them the advantage. I, Cade Cunningham's just that good um, as for being the favorite. But, it, like, if they lose, this region's up for grabs. Anyone can win it of the four teams. Give me your Houston, Loyola, or Oregon State, Oklahoma State too, as they Oklahoma State's going to the locker room down by fourteen. Um, as it stands right now, on Sunday night, give me your final four. Gonzaga, Gonzaga, yep. very easy. I think I don't think they're going to have much trouble until maybe the Elite Eight against either I against Iowa, if Iowa gets there. Um, I would probably pick. I'm going to stick with Florida State because that's who I picked in my pool. Yep, we're on the same page so far. Although Colorado's not, not an easy out. Baylor. They also play Georgetown. So. That's true, too. <laughs> Baylor. I don't think Baylor is going to have a ton of – I wasn't very high on Baylor, but with teams losing that have lost, I don't think they're going to have trouble with Villanova. Arkansas might be able to give them a fight, but I don't see it. And then <laughs> – because I don't want to pick Syracuse, I'm going to pick Loyola. <laughs> if, if Oregon State wins, I'm going to pick Loyola. If Oklahoma yeah. State comes back, I'm going to put Oklahoma State in the Final Four. This is just me being very dumb and like looking at things so simply. When you say Baylor, I look at Baylor as the classic Final Four team that doesn't win a championship and probably doesn't even get to the championship. Just like based on their... like. I didn't you see Baylor. a Final Four t-shirt with Baylor on it, but you were like, oh, Baylor never really had a shot to win it. I don't I see – there's no team left other than Gonzaga that I can picture in my mind the confetti coming down and them raising the banner. Like, no, that, that I, is natural. And that, No, and I agree, and that's how good Gonzaga is. Like, I, I was – the way Baylor kind of played down the stretch and how they played in the Big 12 tournament, I was out on them. I didn't think they were making the Final Four with Ohio mm-hmm. State and Purdue in their bracket, and then they both lost in the first round. Um, so I can see Baylor making the final four, but of the teams that are left, there's like that vision test, close your eyes and picture it. There's not really anybody I see winning the championship other than Gonzaga. I, it, it tru- I think it truly is them versus the field. I'm with you. And if Gonzaga gets knocked off before the final four, it's anybody's guess. I could see... Iowa maybe like of course them and Gonzaga would only one of them would get out of the region. Texas like 
Um, imagine being a Texas fan. If there's any year, this is their year, and then they just get bounced by Abilene. On two free throws. <laughs> you think Shock is on the hot seat? Probably. Um, I don't think they're going to fire him in the offseason, but I think he's in the hot I seat. I think Tennessee fans would be happy to trade Rick Barnes back to Texas for Shaka Smart. I think both of them. Because <laughs> yeah. UT fans are like, uh, UT is in Tennessee, or like we've seen this movie before with Rick Barnes. But I do um, not think Tennessee would lose to Oregon State, but I thought they would get boat raced by Oklahoma State in round two, and they yeah. got boat raced by Oregon <laughs> State. So Yeah, yep, yep. Let me ask you this. As we talk about the field here, who do you see? It, uh, let me rephrase this. There hasn't been a truly dominant conference. You could make the argument, actually, the Pac-12 it's been, which is wild. Yeah. Do you First off, do you think it's a situation where the Pac-12 deserved more respect all season? Do you think the Big Ten is overrated and these teams actually weren't as good? They were just beating up on each other and just weren't as good as the media game. Credit for, what do you make of how the conferences appear throughout? So our guys, Mark, Mark Titus and Tate Frazier, say it on T- Titus Tate all the time. Like, why is it when the Pac-12 beats up on each other? Like, when Cal beats um, when Cal beats Colorado, Colorado stinks. But when, like, Michigan State or Northwestern reaches up and beats Ohio State or Purdue, oh, it's just how deep the Big, yeah. the Big Ten is. I think – it's probably somewhere in the middle, whereas the Pac-12 was better than people gave them credit for, and the Big Ten was a little bit not as good. Now, again, we're just, we haven't hit this, the full Sweet 16 field yet. No Pac-12 team has advanced, although Oregon's well on their way to doing it, up by 15 at the half. And there's also no Big Ten team, but they have opportunities to do it tomorrow. Iowa plays Oregon. Michigan plays LSU, although I picked LSU to win that game. And also Maryland going up against Alabama. So, I, I think I think it's probably someone. Uh, but if I if I told you that those would be the remaining teams after the round of thirty two, you'd be like, "That's a disaster for the Big Ten. Yeah, the, the yeah. If One I told the, you that a month ago, before the season, maybe. But if I told you that a month ago, you'd be like, "Oh, what? Something went horribly wrong." Yeah, if, if Michigan's the only Big Ten team that gets, or Michigan and Iowa, that's it. Yeah, I think that'd be a problem. Although I don't think Michigan's going to beat LSU. I really, I just really don't. Oof. Let me let me just say, Syracuse has won a national championship more recently than the entire Big Ten conference. <laughs> I'll yeah. say that first off. Yeah. So my, my issue here, and I've been on this train, and you smartly were correcting me a little bit, even though I don't <laughs> think I was too off the rails. And I was saying, how is it that Wisconsin is an eight seed with their resume, whereas Syracuse is, quote unquote, you know, not even on the next four out at certain points with their resume that looks pretty similar to me? And you were like, well, the strength of schedule and all the te- they have more quality wins and less bad losses. And I'll, I'll say this everyone said the ACC was bad. The ACC said the ACC was bad. Every fan of every yeah. team in the conference said the Florida United State conference. and Syracuse dragging the ACC on their backs. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, the Big Ten is getting hyped as 
the new conference of champions where we're finally going to break the streak. It's so deep. Whoever, who's going to win it, take your pick. We have all these high seeds and then it just, it just shatters. So I'll just say, I want to take a little credit and pat myself on the back. I'm normally a humble guy, but I just want to say I was on this train all along that the big 10 is the best conference, but I'm not sold. And there, there might be something to say that maybe the Big Ten style. We we all love narratives, right? Maybe mm-hmm. the, just as the narrative of Cuse being dangerous in the tourney has some some truth now. The Big Ten being not a good style of play in March, that might be a narrative too. And some might say it, not me, <laughs> not <laughs> of course not, but some might say that. You know, I'm going to pat myself in the back, too, being the only one who picked Oral Roberts to the Sweet 16 in their bracket. So I'm going to give myself a little pat on the back there because I'm a genius. I also had North Texas winning, so my bracket's perfect uh, coming into the Sweet 16. <laughs> I had one game wrong. The only thing I picked was uh, I had Norfolk State over Gonzaga. That was the only pick I had wrong. <laughs> I, I remember I had it on early. Norfolk State was at, like, 9-2. And I'm like, oh, maybe this will be And then Gonzaga wins by 60. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, no doubt about it. But the uh, the good thing is we got we got the SU men's and we got the women's team dancing too. They got some good redemption against yeah um, the other SDSU. They did, yeah. Like I, I, I found myself. I usually just kind of copy and paste the game threads and just make changes as they go. When I copied and pasted the one from our first round game against against San Diego State, I was like, wow, I, could, I don't even have to change anything. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But no, they played well. They played really, really well today. Uh, they got a little revenge. The last women's tournament in 2019, Syracuse was a three-seed loss in the second round to South Dakota State. Uh, the women pulled it out 72-55, advanced to the second round. Uh, 14 points from Kiara Lewis, 11 from Tiana Mangakahia, 18 from Emily Angsler, who was my favorite player on that team. I love her. Uh, Camila Cardozo had 12. Stratmana had 13. And now they have to go play UConn. So, <laughs> yeah, this team is understated in terms of talent, not in terms of res- like based on the resume, they got the right seed. Yeah. But they are more talented than an AC, and it's just a shame they had to bump into UConn so we were, early. We were talking about I usually do a women's bracket every year, and I, I did one this year too. And I know UConn's not the number one overall seed, but I did like that confetti test. Like, who can I see win it realistically winning the national championship? I don't see anybody but UConn winning it. Like, I feel like it's like Alabama football. It's their tournament to lose kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely see that. And hopefully next year they can, not to count them out by any means, I think they can certainly give UConn a game, and I'm really hoping they pull the upset. But I think long-term, when you look at the program, I think the goal should be three, four, five seed every year so we don't have to necessarily run into them until at least the Sweet 16. Because I think you know based I mean? on recruiting and the talent we have, I think that's definitely a, a good realistic goal to set. And, and this it, year it's hard to hard to fault anything just given the all the things Tiana's overcome and COVID yeah. and, and all that. So we'll see. I, Hopefully they can pull it out. Yeah, I agree. I, I know Q is another good recruiting class coming in next year. And I think they'll be just as good, if not a little bit better. Like we, we, we talk about the talent. I think it showed how talented the team was where they almost knocked off the Louisville was number one seed in the ACC tournament with like six players. It just shows how, and not including not Tiana. So I think it just shows how good they are. And maybe they can give UConn. I think they'll be able to give UConn a run. I just don't know if they're going to be able to beat them. That's, that's the thing. 
Yeah. And things fell their, their way in 2016 when they ended up in a similar situation, except instead of the round of 32, it was in the national championship game where they gave UConn a, a good run and then we're just, just overmatched. I think it'll be closer than that game. If I remember yeah. right, yeah. Brianna Stewart was on that team, right? And just that was her <laughs> that was her fourth national championship. And like going yeah. in, I'm I'm like just ridiculous. Uh, it's been a cool it's been a cool run, but I'm like, <laughs> I don't think we have I don't think we're running this one. Yeah. Just Sorry. a complete a complete buzzsaw. It would a good analogy actually would be if, if if somehow Syracuse made the men's championship and played Gonzaga, where you're like, I can't really be mad if we lose this. <laughs> I, I couldn't I wouldn't be mad if we made the final four and lost to Baylor. <laughs> Let's be honest. Yeah. Let's be clear here. Um what about it? Uh the, I, What's the most Syracuse ending to this season? I think it would probably be an Elite Eight loss to Oregon State. I think that would be yeah, the most that's Syracuse about right. loss possible. <laughs> yeah, I would agree with that. No, uh, the most Syracuse team would be losing in the Final Four to Oral Roberts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. No, but no, I Could agree. Could you imagine the, uh, the NCAA's like, revenue loss just from that? Like, based on how Syracuse fan, fans spend travel – by just in general, just engage versus like Oral Roberts getting to the title. Well, that would be pretty nuts. Yeah. Like, I'm what's, at, what's the NCAA's dream Final Four right now? It's probably, it's definitely right Gonzaga, Michigan, probably Baylor and Oklahoma State. Would that be their, I'm what looking. the NCAA wants to happen? Dude, honestly, they probably want to root for Kansas just because of the fan base and the way, like, they, like they travel really well too. They bring in a ton of money. Um, Kansas, I, probably I still think Gonzaga. Yeah, yeah, it could be. You one can of those make two. the case either way. Michigan, like maybe UCLA as a Cinderella. You would have said Texas. I would have said. You would have Texas. said Texas. I would yeah. have said Texas. Um, and then yeah, probably Baylor out of that top region, and then the bottom, either. Oklahoma State with Cade, mm-hmm. um, Loyola. Because you could you could already see the Facebook flashback videos in five years. Remember when Cade Cunningham took Oklahoma State to the Final Four? <laughs> like you like could see that them milking that. Yeah, you could see them milking that content for forever. <laughs> Speaking of Buddy Heald, uh, CBS Sports tweeted out a video saying, "Hey, saying hey, there's a new Buddy Buckets with Buddy Bayheim just jumping out in front of Buddy Heald." <laughs> <laughs> I saw that one. There was one where they. The meme where it's blurry and, and it was Buddy Heald and then clean the glasses and it's Buddy oh, Beheim. Yeah. So there was, there was a, a lot of great memes. When we came back for, against Notre Dame, when we were down by 20 in the regular season, I was at work and there's a guy I work with who's a Notre Dame fan and he was so pissed. He was like, he's not even the best player named Buddy on best basketball player named Buddy. I can't believe we lost to him. And I'm like, dude, he's, even if he's not the best player, he just dropped 25 on you guys. Like, what yeah. does that say about you? Yeah, he's. He, uh, uh, Notre Dame had the best basketball player named Heron Goaty, so I guess they got that going for them. Their only uh, their only win in the last ten years. On the... Luke Heron, although he he took them to two Sweet Sixteens in a span of two or three years. So also shout out to two, Mike Bray. They had two Elite Eights. Um, they what they lost. They lost to Kentucky in twenty fifteen. Oh, and then they lost our freshman year because we we would have played them if they had beaten Carolina in the Elite Eight. Hmm. And the crazy part is, I know Syracuse fans can – we all agree we're, we're above Notre Dame in terms of our program. But you look at a, a team that was really, really relevant in the 21st century, 
I saw this stat that was crazy. At some point this year, it would have been over 20 straight ranked games that they had lost. Like, first ranked Notre games. Yeah. And That's they, I think they eventually broke it this year. But, man, even with the, even with a good coach like Mike Bray, given what we saw from Behan today, you never want to – you never want to say it's it's time for a change. At least I don't. No, true. Everyone has their opinions. So, Mr. Kier, what was West Virginia ranked? Oh, West Virginia. So going into this game, West Virginia was 13th in the AP poll, and Syracuse at uh, Syracuse, San Diego State was 16th. It's two top 16 teams in two days. And Duke was sixth, right? Oh my God, I don't want to ever hear about Duke again, <laughs> dude. Them tweeting out March sadness, to be honest, and then getting dunked on by everybody day one of the tournament was hysterical. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Duke Duke had a rough march. Louisville had a rough march because no. I'm first, gonna, of all, I'm gonna, first of all, shout out to uh, VCU. I know it's definitely got to be rough to have yeah. to make the tourney and then lose it. But after this whole thing with the replacement teams and all that, Louisville doesn't make the field. Is the first team out? There is a COVID issue in the first round, and they after still don't get the call. I know. Yep. So Dude, if, if Louisville awesome. fans want to be mad at somebody, and one they shouldn't be mad at us because I still think we deserve a spot along with them. Be mad at Drake, because I still I'm gonna go back to this every single time. They shouldn't have been in the NCAA tournament with their resume. Like, yes, yes, uh, there's the little number one for for Drake. Yesefu, I think is his name. He's a very mm-hmm. good player, and I actually think he's fun to watch. But Drake's resume, I don't care if they were 25 and five. They beat seven teams above 500. Eight, if you want to count Wichita State. Like, I'll I'll. Are you Jake? You know what you're doing right now. What you know what you're doing right now. You're pulling a Gottlieb. You're pulling a Doug Gottlieb, and here's why. Doug Gottlieb is always saying, I don't care that Syracuse made the Final Four in 2016. They didn't have a good enough resume to get in. I stand by that. That doesn't change. They made a great run. doesn't change. They shouldn't have got in. You're doing that with Drake because they won their playing game. So you're saying, I don't care about that. They should have never been selected. You're comparing Drake to a one-game play-in versus us running to the Final Four. (laughs) I'm just saying, you go to the Doug Gottlieb school of bracketology. I'm not wrong, though. <laughs> also, I saw um, Lenardi had some questionable likes on his uh, Twitter today. Did you see he about picked Syracuse? Oral, he picked Oral Roberts. <laughs> really? For yeah. one game or two? I, 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 he picked him to beat Ohio State. Wow. Yeah, I've, I'm trying to find this tweet here. Um, oh. He so Lenardi liked the tweet that says signs I'm getting old. I'm old enough to remember when Syracuse actually played well in the dot 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 regular season. Crazy, but it used to actually happen. To be fair, I get is it. Is he wrong? <laughs> is he wrong? First no. All, first of all, is he wrong? Absolutely not. And it, mind you, he's liking the tweet. The tweet was actually from Aaron Torres. He's not wrong. He, <laughs> first of all, he's not wrong. But is he allowed to say that? No. He's not allowed. Unless you are a Syracuse fan, you are not allowed to criticize the program. <laughs> so that's <laughs> that's a normal thing he said. <laughs> yeah. I don't even think that was criticizing the program. I just think that was kind of stating it. No, it's it's just funny coming from him. That's like I know. it always seems like Lenardi, like he had us on the right side of the bubble, and he I'm did. pretty sure he had us out of the first four. He, but like yes, for yeah. a while, you could see all the brackets. You could see bracket matrix and. Jerry Palm and all these all these people had us firmly in when Lenardi would have us on like the first or second team out. He's like, I don't know, they still got some work to do. It seems just like he's uh he's always a little more hesitant to come around on Syracuse. He is, he is. And also 
playing devil's advocate, I think he's got a reason because we're again we're always there, and like we're always kind of playing yeah. our way late. Um, I'm I'm gonna cut Joe a little slack. To be fair, I like Joe Lenardi. He's I, yeah. I kind of feel like he plays it up a little bit because he knows yeah. he gets Syracuse held up. <laughs> yeah, down in his bunker. Good thing you got, you cut him some slack because not many Syracuse fans usually do. So no, no they don't. They <laughs> yeah, it's uh, he's he's just lucky Gottlieb is out there that he. He doesn't have to take all the bullets. No, that is true. Um, you wanna you wanna get to our message board comment of the week? As we yeah, I think, up here? I think we hit everything going on in the NCAA tournament that was big. The only thing that's really left is the end of this Oregon State game, um, which unless you want to stay on the podcast another hour, <laughs> I think <laughs> you do. So I think yeah, our so, fans would would love the the real time updates. Yeah, but yeah, let's let's jump ahead. But um, we we had some football stuff to talk about, but then we won two games and the women won as well. So we're gonna push football till after basketball season's over, just to kind of fill in some time. But go ahead, Keith. Yep. So let me see here. We got a bunch of uh, worthy candidates, to say the least, from the message board comment of the week from our beloved SyracuseFan.com, but also. I figured it'd be fun to go over to Mountaineer Sports and see what the West Virginia fans had cooking today. So uh, West Virginia was not too happy. Basically, <laughs> there were a couple threads. One of them was saying how much Bayheim owns Huggins, which was crazy. And I guess I read, I don't know if this is correct. I Huggies. didn't really fact check the mass- message boards, but he was uh, – 14 the last 15 against Beheim, is that right? Oh, I saw that the record was only like 1 in 5. Oh, that might be while at West Virginia. I think I think he's 1 in 6 at West Virginia. I don't know what his like Cincinnati record is. Or maybe it's maybe Beheim has 14 out of 15 against West Virginia. I don't know. Who knows? Well, anyway, it's something like that. Uh this one goes from Rockness Monster. And uh he said, mostly upset because this was our easiest path to the Final Four. Just mm. sucks. We wasted, we totally wasted, didn't waste, they totally wasted a fantastic draw to head to the Final Four, and we totally blew it against a team that probably shouldn't have even been selected based on their resume. Mm, Jake, mm. probably shouldn't mm. have even been selected. Mm. We consistently play down to our competition and constantly end up with disappointment, the D word, eternally mad and sad. Thoughts on Rockness Monsters post? So I think he's wrong. I think Syracuse firmly deserved to be in based on the resume. I don't think that's a question. Um, Again, also, when, when, sorry, I, I, this is what I do. I ask your opinion, and then after and then your first sentence, I, I completely <laughs> interrupt you. But, but, uh, I don't get why people take five jump five teams to get to Syracuse. Like we were out of the first four. Yeah. So how is it that Syracuse wasn't good enough to be picked, but there was literally an entire first four that I guess was in these people's minds. Right. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> um, what was I saying? You cut me off. You dumbass. I can't remember. What I, was I saying. know. I know. <laughs> I, I take the L on that one, but no. Okay. So I, yes, we deserve to get in. I don't think that's an argument, but also th- let's, let's play into it. Say we didn't deserve to get in. Okay. Why didn't you beat us then? Oh, Rockness. <laughs> what do you got to say there? 
Um, yeah, that's a good point. That. It's like, if you didn't deserve to get yeah. in, why didn't you beat us? <laughs> as a three seed, yeah, yeah. You would think the three seed would. Yeah. Oh, Kate Cunningham got the ball, driving the lane, pushed off, no foul called. He missed. Okay, sorry, we're not, are, are we not doing the play-by-play? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this, this is going to be a four-hour pod. <laughs> Dude, I was thinking we should have done a, a live reaction to Selection Sunday. I feel like that would have been fun because it was quick and yeah. there was a little drama. <laughs> we should have. Um, I'm going to read it one more for you, if that's sure. okay. This is, uh, again, from Mountaineer Sports, Outcoach yet again. This is by Rad for Gear. And he says, I'm assuming it's a he, could be a, could be a woman. Now you know why he's not in the Hall of Fame. He can't coach offense. Uh, to be fair, that has zero, uh, zero likes or dislikes. It's even. And uh, the reply with five likes says, get lost. So I don't think all West Virginia <laughs> fans are, are turning on Huggins. Um, Let's see. And then another reply Another reply has the gif of uh, Jim Carrey, and it says, man, you are one pathetic loser, referring to the poster. It says, <laughs> Hugs drew up a game plan. Matthews couldn't make up in 15-footers. Um, there is uh, quite, the, quite the backlash, people defending Huggins. But I'm just going to say this. There's nothing better than message boards after a, a milestone game for any team. So we, we love the content out there. Damn. Dude, West Virginia missed 44 shots today. Yeah, I think 37 were all in one possession. <laughs> yeah. You couldn't grab a rebound. Um, I, Again, Huggins can't coach offers. They scored 72 points. Like, <laughs> I, I yeah. don't understand that. I, like, I like Huggins. I think I put him on when, I, like, when we were talking about, because we were in a COVID pause and it doesn't talk about, like, what would, who, what's the plan after Jim Beheim? And I put Huggins on my dream candidate list. Huggins is a good coach. Like he's been to a final. He's been, he's been to a final four with West Virginia. He took Cincinnati. He like resurrected Cincinnati basketball before he went to West Virginia. He took them to a final four. I think the only thing that stopped them was the Fab. Did they beat? I think they lost to the Fab Five in that final four. It was either them or Duke. I don't remember. With with Leitner, so mm-hmm. <laughs> two pretty good teams. Um, but saying he can't coach offense, I think, is ridiculous. Like. They, again, this quit 72 points and missed 40 shots. What do, what do you want from him? You want him to go shoot? Yeah, but doesn't matter because Cuse versus Houston, trip yeah. to the Elite A on the line, and that yeah, is a on. real thing that is actually happening. One one more thing I want to say defending Bob Huggins, West Virginia averages almost 80 points a game. So <laughs> let's relax. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, God. I think but those yeah. types of fans are like, you know what we should really do? is we should hire Tony Bennett as an assistant to coach the, the defense. And then we should hire Nate Oates as the, the associate coach to coach the offense. And then Huggins can just oversee things. Like <laughs> Those people are just so unrealistic. that. Speaking of unrealistic, there is one more question I want to ask you. It's not a Syracuse question. It's not even an NCAA tournament question. This school is not in the NCAA tournament. All right. So, Go ahead. We're all aware the Big Ten tournament was in the in Indiana, in Indianapolis. Lucas Oil, home of the Indianapolis Colts. And it was the first time the Indiana Hoosiers played in front of fans all season. And they chanted, fire Archie, during their loss. And then, Archie was, and then Archie was fired. It worked. Who is going to be the next Indiana coach? Oh. Here's a take, Jake. 
everyone and their mother knows that Brad Stevens is who Indiana wants, who Indiana fans want. They're going to back up the Brinks truck to try to get Brad Stevens. It's just not happening. In my opinion, I think he's mm-hmm. going to consider. I think he's going to seriously consider and then ultimately wind up back in Boston. I think the most Indiana hire possible is none other than Loyola Chicago's Porter Moser. That's what I was thinking, too. Like, watching today's game, like, he's built a very solid program. It's on the verge of going to the Final Four for the second time in three years, if my math is right. But it's also it's also far from a slam dunk because he's pretty much the same mold as Archie Miller. Mm-hmm. Like, a mid-major coach that really built up his program. Archie went to the Elite Eight, um, Porter Moser's been to a Final Four, and they're both defensive coaches who run a low-scoring offense. So, I don't know. I don't know if Indiana fans would be happy with that. That's my prediction. Um, but, yeah, wild card is that they bring Tom Crean home, and then <laughs> in, the, in the 2023 <laughs> Sweet 16, after he drops bags to get recruits, uh, four-seed Syracuse stomps one-seed Indiana and pretty much – on the 10th anniversary of the 2013 Sweet 16, gets Tom Crean fired a second time. That's my prediction. <laughs> um, so I have an interesting one, my idea. So originally we thought this guy was going to get hired by BC, but BC apparently made their hire. I didn't even know that. until Wait, someone, they did? I didn't yeah, know that either. They, I, I like overheard – I don't even know who it is. Like who? I don't remember his name. It wasn't a very like – um, it wasn't a very well. Oh, Earl Grant, interesting. Yeah, so they made their hire, and it wasn't who I thought. <laughs> the first I know I, where you're going with this. The first the first article I googled was it, it's from BC Interruption, which is their SB Nation blog, saying it's too soon to judge the new hire. That's how you know I was aren't going right. Probably because he hasn't coached yet. But a man who brought the Iona Gales to the NCAA tournament in his first year, had him playing with Alabama up until the last five, six minutes of a 2-15. Uh, he said he's not looking for another job, but if Indiana's like, here's a bunch of money to come coach in the Big Ten, would Rick Pitino not say yes? I think he probably would, and I would love that for college basketball. My personal thoughts on Rick Pitino aside, right. I think that would be great for Content-wise, great hire. <laughs> I think... That's got to be the play for Indiana, right? If you don't get Brad Stevens, you'll be like, hey, Rick Pitino, you're our lovable plan B. That we're just, Mm -hmm. we're so sick and tired of doing this every three years now since Bob Knight left. We want a consistent winner. We want some one seeds again. We want, heck, we want to even make the NCAA tournament. Rick Pitino did that in year one. I'm sure he could get Indiana back. Um, So, yeah, if, if they just say screw it. We don't care about any of the baggage that comes along. Who knows? I, I it's possible. So as long as you there you have out. it. Brad Stevens, Porter Moser, Rick Pitino, Pitino. <laughs> maybe Jerry McNamara if uh, <laughs> if Keith wins it all. Who's to say? Hop. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Hop is gonna gonna be getting that job. I don't think he's. I don't think he's, I don't know if he'll be with Washington's coach much longer, but we'll see. Uh, all right, you got anything else to add? You sure you don't want to sit here and watch Oregon State, Oklahoma State? 
Yeah, I think we've rambled long enough. So shout out to you if you're still tuned in to this pod. All right. Well, next week, uh, the Sweet 16 is Saturday against Houston. No time yet. Um, I'm just happy I'm not working so I can actually watch the game. Um, but we'll let you know on Twitter when that gets sorted out. Syracuse Houston from Indianapolis Saturday at some point. The women play Wednesday against UConn. Again, I don't know, no time yet. We'll be with you on Twitter for that one. Podcast-wise, um, might be Sunday if we win. Monday night, maybe, next week. We'll, we'll, do, we'll just have to wait and see. Um, but, yeah, no, that's – we hope you enjoyed recapping two fun games for Syracuse. And, hope, and looking forward to what could be a special weekend next week. You never know. This region's wide open. Yeah, it's, it's definitely house money at this point. So yeah. we're just rolling as we go. All right. And on that note, in closing, five-star questions. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes. The question in the review, and we'll answer it. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at MarshallSTPod44. Don't forget to subscribe, like, retweet, and share with your friends. Uh, that's Keith. I'm Jake. Go Orange. Go Orange.